Warning, this episode contains foul language and descriptions of foul smells. This one's pretty innocent. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with one of our friends to talk about something weird. weird. This week <laughs> we have an episode that we've been looking forward to since the podcast was just a wee babe of a oh, podcast. Baby. Weird nature. Yeah. Caca, caca. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about maybe... Putting some animal sounds in there, a little like a yeah, exactly. No, that's yeah. Killer plants, gross bugs, animals that are scary, intelligent, and some crazy, crazy weather. My name is Ashley, and this is my beauty of a co-host, Lauren. Hi, weirdo. My beautiful round co-host. <laughs> I'm getting very round. <laughs> Excuse me. Hold for a rocket. <laughs> There's Jesus. actually a rocket launching outside. I'm not sure if that was a fighter jet or Damn. not. This is basically this plane. is basically like LAX part two. Yep. And joining us today is an extremely cool, talented, beautiful SIUC alum, <laughs> Madeline Wilkheim. <laughs> Hi, weirdos. Hey. SIUC. We talk about it all the time. We've had a lot of SIUCers on oh, the yeah. show. <laughs> no SIU lights, only SIUCers. Nope. Edwardsville, not allowed. <laughs> Carbondale only. Oof. So you went to school. Didn't you go for photography? I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now you work in set design yes. and set decoration. Decoration. Yes. Which I think I, is so cool. <laughs> I love that job. My Thank brain you. went directly to set costuming, which, <laughs> which technically is a, a, also awesome. Set costuming. You're putting is costumes like, on it. You're putting costumes on a set. Right. Are costumers. In film and television, still very mean. No, really? I'm, no, yeah, I've met very lovely uh, costume and wardrobe departments. Are Are you just thinking like fashion? Like people are like, no, 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 no. When we did background, I think they're only mean to background. Oh yes, yeah. everyone's mean to oh, background, okay. and it's awful. So that's <laughs> that includes okay. our department too, and it's it's kind of here's really the bad. thing. I get it. They're the worst. Uh, not everyone is though. No, I mean, well, that was and the it's, problem. I feel really I know. bad we were nice. because <laughs> everyone is. I recently worked in a props department, and I felt bad because they have the least information out of everybody, but are just like relying on being shuttled everywhere yes. and so yes i can understand the frustrations about that it was like process. it was we one were of treated those like dirt yes. yes it was one of those things where it's like what if i just prove that i'm not stupid right <laughs> no. what if nobody cares show up on time and bring all the right clothes you could smile? be the no, best little star wanted to spit in our face yes and i mean politeness i'm sure does help but like i mean people are just mean i've, I've heard coworkers <laughs> call background skin props like oh it's yeah. not skin props they always referred to us as cattle i felt like oh. they were like herd the cattle heard yeah. the cattle like, there awesome. was one that was like movable meat sacks or oh, something yeah, right, right. 
It's so funny because I would go back home to small town Illinois and everyone was like, I heard you're on Glee. I heard you're a big TV star now. And I would just nod and smile, not feeling like getting into it with them. But I'd be thinking in the back of my mind, if only you knew how I'm treated <laughs> on that all. set and how I'm the scum of the earth. It is all so unglamorous. Yeah, it really it's is. Very Honestly, even even, even the, the stars, actors, yeah, like, like the stars oh, yeah. of the show. You're it's not, not glamorous. No, at it's all. not the red carpet. No. You're going to work, mm. and the hours are long, and the food sucks, right. and like you know what I mean. Like <laughs> you see, you're not comfortable. The clothes don't fit you really. Like the it's, main actors, when they'd be done shooting their scene, would just be sitting in their little chairs, looking miserable, yeah. like on their computer or phone. Like, when am I done here? I like, really got it shouted out to the Chicago film crew because, oh, like, shameless. even in L.A., well, even in L.A., like. I come to set and I'm like cold in my jacket and then like undo it and then get back into it. But it's just like you're in the elements and I'm just like, but we don't even have elements in L.A. Like it's fine. But like to do that in an actual city with actual weather is like just got to be so much more intense. Chicago, (laughs) New York, New Orleans. To unload trucks and you're like protecting equipment and like, oh, yeah. I, just, I always I am think thankful. about thank you LA yeah, yeah. like thank we're so lucky but everyone sunny. still wears huge coats because it does yeah. get chilly it I mean, does it as does. whiny well, as we sound it's really early in the morning or really <laughs> right. late at night and exactly. it is a desert climate so the shade does get colder than you would think that's very true yes. but I I'm a huge shameless fan and I just learned recently that they actually do shoot in Chicago which yeah. like it's like you said it gave me so much respect for them because yeah. it was like it is freezing they're shooting in Chicago winter yeah. oh Oh, that makes me hurt. But I was also watching <laughs> The Office, you know, every day of my life because that's the show that never ends. You can watch it over yeah. and over yeah. and over again. But recently, I was like, you know, they filmed that in L.A. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was like the Valley, basically. Right. And um, there's so many scenes that take place during like winter and they're in these huge coats and scarves. And sweating. you could tell it's summer. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, no. You're no. Because they're supposed to be on the this East Coast. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Scranton. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's yep. what it was. I almost said Indiana. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, Parks and Rec. Either. Parks and Rec. Yeah. That's what it was. Which is also Indiana. shot in LA. Which is also shot in LA. Oh, yeah. You Very can usually true. tell by the abundance of palm trees yeah. in the Midwest. That they forget to hide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in all the background shots yeah. of those Midwest towns, those beautiful palm trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today we are talking about uh, an episode that apparently everyone's super excited about, which is great. I know. Nature. We're going to be talking talking about weather and plants and animals mostly but a couple of little sprinkles in between mm-hmm. and you so when I reached out to you and I was like you like nature and you were like yeah what do you like about like are you a hiker you like animals everything. obviously you're an animal mom I do I love everything I really uh got a shout out to my mama who installed it in me early I think with my Girl Scout troop because we just like love to hike in camp and yes. I always had animals growing up and my mom I, I don't know if I was ever like really into the weird sort of animals but like my mom loves naked mole rats and is like oh. was very recently excited God bless her very recently <laughs> excited about yeah, corpse what? flowers which I feel in passion oh, yes. to talk about in her honor and uh so just also sorts of stuff but I mean I just I really just love the natural world and everything that comes with it it's beautiful and also destructive when humans are like oh we can figure this out and then mother nature comes up and like slaps you on the side of the head and shows you how like awesome and powerful she is so you got to respect that and yeah, just what what happens naturally, the beauty of it, how it's uh, you go hiking and it's like a stress free environment yes. and it's like p- 
pre- doctors are literally prescribing going into nature because yeah. yes because people don't do it enough and it's just like you really you know just go take a hike sometime and I think honestly one of my recent adult revelations is uh, anytime I'm in a new city I'm like where's the nearest national park yeah. like I'm like yeah I'm like I was going to a friend's wedding in Knoxville and I was like that's cool but where's the nearest national park sure. <laughs> so weird. which was the Great Smokies which was oh yeah awesome it was I've I mean I don't know why I'm constantly in awe but I'm always like oh what's this gonna be like and then you just go and you're just like good it's gravy. so beautiful yes I saw the Smokies a couple of years ago because I have friends that live in Nashville and I did the mm-hmm. same thing I was like okay what else can I see in this yes. area around yes. Tennessee and it's gorgeous yes uh national state parks it is good job government yeah best thing. great job it's yes. best thing you do let's keep mm. them that way <laughs> hey ooh, what an Amen. idea men yes let's keep I... them looking nice so I always get depressed. You know, people have seasonal depression in the winter. I actually get it in the summertime mm-hmm. because I don't do well with heat mm-hmm. or like humidity. Mm-hmm. If I'm hot, I'm miserable immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't do well with it. So when most people are like out on the beach and like having picnics, I'm inside with the air conditioning on. I'm a huge baby. <laughs> so I get major depression in the yeah. summer. And then right around this time is where I start to come out of it because I walk everywhere. Yes. I'm constantly outside, like mm-hmm. no more driving to restaurants i'm mm-hmm. walking wherever yeah. i can because it's so nice out mm-hmm. and even if you're even if you're just like walking around the neighborhood it's not great but it is still just like being outside and when i i do yoga mm-hmm. i do yoga like four or five times a week but doing it outside even if you're just on like a piece of grass it doesn't it changes even have everything. to be like you're out in the wilderness, a piece of grass, and it's just like this is amazing. I know. I feel so close to so my into. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's such a spiritual thing. Isn't you it do, weird? do you as think it's much as we, we giggled. It's it? like, oh my roots! I'm here with the ground. <laughs> do you think it's because we came from outside? Yes. And we're not supposed to be in. That's probably I, true. I do rely heavily on the like energy side of things and have moved away from religion. So I'm totally into like science and the natural world. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very much into like yeah. You know, we are made of energy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more energy outside. Mm -hmm. I was telling Joe the other day that I think that humans, you know, how we evolved upright, I think eventually we're going to be like this, hunched over, over, (laughs) because that is how I am like eight. Mm -hmm. I almost said eight days a week, six days a week, (laughs) whether I'm editing or I'm at work on my computer. I'm literally I want to get one of those little sensors to go on my back that buzzes when I slouch. I keep seeing those online. I think I need one. I might too. Terrible monster. monster. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're actually going to start with weather because it's bananas. And actually, before we forget. Yeah. One of our SIU friends right oh, yes. in, Nas yes. wrote in and she said, what up, Nas? She <laughs> reminded us of the, do we remember what it was called? El Derecho. El Derecho. I think that's what it was the called. The Inland Hurricane. The Inland Hurricane. Yes. Which was 2009? Yes. Or yes. No, that's right. Yeah. So you were in Illinois in 2009, right? Or have you already moved out here? Um, I moved out here in 2009, January 2009. So no, I would have been gone. Well, something <laughs> happened. Tell me It more. was a disaster. What? <laughs> Southern <laughs> Illinois was hit by a hurricane, an inland hurricane. The winds were 70 something miles an hour, straight winds. And it destroyed our college town. Wow. It completely like 
knocked out power mm-hmm. it, and what's crazier and what I remember about it is that it was graduation weekend mm-hmm. because my now husband was then graduating and uh, it, like his family was in town ta- all the families were in town yeah everyone was in town uh, and I was working at our auditorium where there was supposed to be a graduation ceremony going on and in the morning they kind of briefed us and they were like so if major if the tornado sirens go off the auditorium doesn't actually have a basement big enough to house all these people inside of it so we will need to evacuate through the hallways to the other adjacent buildings to get these people to safety oh that's and they were like like a literal but nightmare. you know it's gonna be fine you know like yeah, we cool. got this <laughs> but it's fine but we're it all didn't a yeah good time but it wasn't and the sirens did go off and Ooh. nobody was hurt thankfully we were able to shuttle everybody but i do remember um the winds were so strong that they actually pulled some of the doors open and we got to see outside and trees were sideways yeah they were it was bananas and we had but two of us had to work very hard to uh get it to shut and then like use an allen key set to lock it so it wouldn't fly open again so wait now that you guys are telling this i kind of remember this because i had a lot of friends that went to southern and i remember things being posted online i feel like people starting to talk about like their cars getting ripped to shreds destroyed yeah this is all down everywhere so if you were parked on the street your car was basically gone and we were in one of our um my theater classes it was a final it was like an acting final and we eventually had to move into the basement underneath the theater and you could just hear it because there's no power phones weren't cell phones weren't working so all you could hear was like and you could hear what sounded like cars just flipping it was so (laughs) loud and we didn't know what was going on and when we went back up it lasted probably what 20 minutes Mm -hmm. it seemed like yeah not not super long but when we went back up I mean, our friend's houses was condemned because of how mm-hmm. much damage was going on. Oh my <laughs> the house gosh. across the street from my apartment was gone. Mm-hmm. It just like fell. It was just like level. Like the roof went straight through it. Ugh. A lot of places, like the roofs, the roofs, 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 roofs were like peeled back yeah. like cans. Ugh. It was that's awful. horrifying. Yeah. It was bananas, but this thing it it was not. Anything anyone could have prepared for. Yeah. It was a little bit of a just like a free came out of the blue. Yeah, it was like I think they knew a storm was coming, but they didn't know that this was going to happen. Yeah. It actually might have been our fault because the night before we had an end of the world party. Oh, and we did perform a rain dance and it did start hailing. Now the truth comes out. <laughs> you did this. Yes. This is all because There's of pictures you. of everyone at the end of the world party holding golf ball size hail. Wow. Like, isn't this fun? Turns out, no, it's not. Yeah. And it's your apartment's gone. Anyways. And you'll never see yeah. your apartment again. What else about weather's weird, Lauren? <laughs> all kinds of things. <laughs> so I took a little journey with the weather. I'm starting with something light and happy and what's seen as like a beauty. And then we're moving on to something scary. And then we're moving on to something even scarier. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's a joy. <laughs> so first, have you guys heard of the, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, Catatumbo Lightning? No. It's Nick, awesome. Is it ball lightning? Ball lightning? <laughs> What's yeah. that? Where like 
uh, lightning can travel like in ball form, like through your house. Excuse me. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about that today? <laughs> Shut madness. this episode down. Sorry. We have researched. Thank you, <laughs> listeners, for tuning in. We are done. We have to go have a private conversation about. We have ball to lightning. do some more research and come back. <laughs> no, but that okay. sounds. I'll tell you crazy. about it later. It's crazy. Also, I do want to say that the reason I kind of went all in on weather is because I wanted to be a storm chaser when I was Aww. little, and it's still kind of a dream in the back of my head. Like Twister. Yeah, like I, a Twister. I want to be like Helen Hunt. Can right? deeply that appreciate is? that, especially more when I was in photography. I used to have vivid dreams oh of taking photos of beautiful tornadoes. Yeah, because it's so cool. The world gets all green and that's oh, yeah, like the, the sky, sky yes. looks insane. It's gorgeous and it's crazy like, because tornadoes can be scary. so deadly and awful, but they look so cool. Yes. And I like we you just joked about the movie Twister, but honestly, I have seen that movie it's one of those that I've lost count. Like I could act it out for you right now. Cause I just loved it so much and I want it to be them anyway. So I love, I'm fascinated by storms. They still scare me, but anyway, Catatumbo lightning is, so there's a small area of Northwestern Venezuela where the Catatumbo river meets Lake Maracaibo. And this is where you'll discover the lightning. It's called the everlasting storm or Relampago del Catatumbo, which sounds mm. so much cooler Ooh. and <laughs> spicier. That sounds like a, a, a water slide at Santa Claus land. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Adorango? Adorango. Wait, that you know the, I haven't been there. You haven't been to Holiday World? No, we have had <sighs> this conversation, conversation on like three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I have not I'm been to so Holiday sorry. World. My Go husband, on. who never listens to our podcast, happened to tune in to one of the episodes where we talked about it, and he screamed at me when I got home. <laughs> was like, you've never been to Holiday World? <laughs> Apparently, he's been a million times Are and loves kidding? it. Yeah. Why? Isn't it in like Indiana or yeah. something? I don't know why he was going over there. He's from Pennsylvania. <laughs> anyway. Relapago del Catatumbo, or the Everlasting Storm. So the reason it's called the Everlasting Storm is because lightning lights up the sky 160 nights a year for as long as 10 hours at a time. And it's not just like a strike here or there. It's 280 strikes per hour of lightning. Like the sky is just constantly lit up where this river and this lake meet. It sounds incredible. And it's far away from any like huge land mass. So no one is ever really in danger of being struck. You Mm -hmm. always see it from afar. Oh, And because you're seeing it from so far away, it doesn't seem like there's any thunder either. So it just looks like a light show. But there is thunder because you're just not close enough to hear it. But scientists have discovered that, yes, it is making a sound. We Mm. just don't hear it because of the distance we're seeing it at. But it just looks like the silent, beautiful light show that happens. Um, Lightning strikes 1.2 million times per year just in this area. And the persistent flashes are so bright they can be seen up to 250 miles away. And Caribbean navigators in colonial times used to actually use these as like navigation. They would call it Mm -hmm. the lighthouse of Catatumbo and they'd Mm -hmm. be like, follow the lightning. Now we can see what in the world where we're going because it's so bright. It just lights up everything in its path and it's crazy. Please tell me you're going to tell me why. (sighs) That's what's interesting about it. Nobody knows why this happens. What? Before I get to that, though, I wanted to tell you other fun things that happened in history with it. The Catatumbo lightning helped Spanish poet, or no, Spanish poet Lope de Vega wrote a poem in 1597 entitled The Dragon Tea, which describes how Sir Francis Drake's 1595 attempt to take over the city of Maracabo by night was thwarted by the flames of night. 
and the lightning illuminated English ships. So the city mm-hmm. was able to catch them mm-hmm. and then not mm-hmm. allow the attack. And also similarly, in 1823, during the Venezuelan War of Independence, Spanish fleets were exposed by the storm as well, and then they were defeated. So a lot of people think this lightning for Venezuela's independence. And they're like, you lit up those ships for us. Wow. Which is really exciting. So this is in history books. It's popping up all over the place. Also, it is thought to be the largest producer of tropospheric ozone. And so some believe that this is helping replenish our ozone layer. No way. There are some scientists that are like, kind of, but it's tricky. And there's, of course, arguments against it. But how cool if it is helping and adding something to the ozone layer. Like, help us, Catatumbo Lightning. You're our only hope. Despite its fame in history books and going way back, little is actually known about what is happening behind this phenomenon. Some beautiful poetry is the indigenous people, the Yakpa, are um, who are still around today between Colombia and Venezuela, believe mm-hmm. that the lightning was triggered when fireflies encountered ancestral spirits. And they believe... That's why the light's happening. That's which, very sweet. That's very nice. But I want to know the That's science. not correct, yeah. but <laughs> but that's very nice. Well, we don't know. It could be the fireflies and spirits. It could be fireflies and spirits. But it's probably not the fireflies and the no. spirits. I want to know what's going I'm on I'm say there. it's not, even though we want to believe. Is this, this is over water, right? Yes. So, which, that's probably the biggest component, is, which most, is what most people think. But numerous scientists have traveled to the area in the 20th and early 21st century to investigate. 1911, Melkor Bravo postulated that the thunderstorms are likely caused by closed wind circulation in the region. And it seems like this is the most plausible explanation. The area is between two walls of mountains that are surrounding these lakes. So it is very enclosed. Mm -hmm. And I think they believe Mm -hmm. that it's trapping wind. So when hot, moist air from the Caribbean flows into the Maracaibo bison from the only side that is free of mountains, it is met with the cooler air from the Andes and is forced upwards. The vapor then begins to condense, forming clouds, and they discharge electricity. And lightning is produced over and over and over because it's constantly being fueled by warm, moist air in the basin, evaporation from the lake, and then the equatorial sun. This is the most believable, plausible thing, but nobody knows for sure. And other scientists are investigating the lightning and thinking that it's because it's a swampy area nearby and it's there could be uranium underneath everything that's attracting the lightning. Like everybody is throwing in a theory. Um, I want to throw in a theory. Yeah. Do you have one? (laughs) When you were describing that, it was like, well, is the water in that like little basin now more like electrically charged because the lightning is literally zapping the water and then becoming the rain. And then in these, I don't know. No, that's, I have no science background. Do not trust what I say. But don't you want to believe that there's like electrically charged water just like hanging out? Bermuda Triangle. What if the water in the Bermuda Triangle is, oh, it's constantly being rained on by the, water that gets evaporated from the catatumbo (laughs) and that's why it's this crazy electrified area of conspiracy (laughs) moving on (laughs) just kidding i want to know more so another popular idea is that methane is contributing to the storms the maracabo basin is perched on top of one of south america's largest oil fields and some believe that the methane gas Rising through the swamps may play a key role in producing the lightning. So, could be. 
This hypothesis has been generally rejected by most atmospheric scientists, but is still in the running. So there are tons of theories out there that make sense. I think the one that people are latching on to the most is just like the moist air meeting with the wind that kind of gets locked in between the mountains. But it's just crazy to me that this has been going on for centuries and everyone's still like, maybe it's because of this. Especially because it's like something that always happens and always reoccurs, which scientists love. Mm -hmm. And But I wonder why. Like, It must not be profitable on a military standpoint, so they haven't researched (laughs) it. That's so sad. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's sad but true. There's no money going towards that. Yeah, if it's something, if it's an event, we know it's going to happen and yeah. we know it's going to happen now. That's a scientist's I'm dream. very surprised. Or maybe it's been like a political climate that's prevented us. It totally could be. I'm. That's what I don't know. But I can't wait to go home and watch this. I know. I was going to say, what you have to watch videos online because it's so pretty. Uh, and like tourists flock to of course. Venezuela to come I'm see this. Like am going to bump this of, on my list. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the board of tourism is like, come see our lightning. Yeah. Everyone's excited about it. <laughs> the <laughs> flashes appear in a variety variety of colors like red, orange, blue, purple, due to the varying amounts of dust particles or water vapor in the atmosphere. So it's just silent, rainbow, beautiful lightning that occurs for 10 hours, usually over the evening. And you can just sit on the water and watch it from a distance. And it sounds so lovely. It does. It's not scary at all. I know. Yeah. No one has been hurt from it because I tried to research like has there been a lightning strike. Well, I guess the Spanish fleets that were exposed got murdered because of it. But the lightning. (laughs) The lightning didn't do the murder. The lightning didn't do it. You can't help from shining lightning. It was other people. Yeah. I know. So then that got me interested in where are other places where numerous things have struck. I wanted to see where like places that attracted a lot of activity. So then I found a very different story, but with that similar theme, we're moving on to some tornadoes now. Mm. And into the Midwest, so a very different place. Um, We're looking at Grand Island, Nebraska, June 3rd, 1980. A massive supercell thunderstorm developed just north of Grand Island during the early evening. And this moved slowly south through the city at around 8 miles per hour. This outbreak provided the basis for... One of the craziest storms in recorded history, I found out. Over a period of less than three hours, this storm produced seven tornadoes in and around Grand Island in just three hours. The strongest tornado was an F4 intensity and three others were rated F3. Oh, no, I think three of them were F4, three were F3, and then there was one that was pretty tame. But yeah, what? I mean, still, that's a lot. <laughs> that's seven tornadoes. And if we learned anything from Twister, F4 and F3 are extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I think Helen Hunt is, it is Helen Hunt, right? Why isn't that? Well, it's right? either Helen Hunt or Bonnie Hunt. I know. It's a hunt. It's Helen. So it's Helen. Um, <laughs> I think she faced an F5 when she was a little girl. And that's what promoted her to get into the Twister chasing. But still, these are terrible. Five people were killed, 200 were injured, and 475 living units were destroyed, along with 49 businesses. Wow. The damage cost $300 million. This town was just leveled. It was destroyed. Also, three of the tornadoes rot- rotated anticyclonically, 
or clockwise, which is very rare in the Northern Hemisphere, apparently, where 99% of tornadoes rotate cyclonically or counterclockwise. So why were they going the wrong way? So that sounds like did, the day Have after you tomorrow. ever seen a tornado? You grew up in Illinois. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple. They've. Mm-hmm. I have never seen one touch down, I will say, but I've seen them come very close. They had twirled on down. Can you imagine seeing seven at this? We probably couldn't right? see seven all at the same time, but like one, okay, that's already crazy enough, but like three, seven. like three or four, like that is the end of the world. Like right. I don't expect tomorrow to come for me if no. I saw three or four twisters right. in the sky at the same time. No, I'd be like, well, this is it. Yeah. It's been this fun. Is, yeah. uh, how I die. I guess yeah. I had a good one. <laughs> I guess I had a good I'm one. I'm not surviving this. Even when you see videos of twin tornadoes mm-hmm. coming towards you, the two side by side, yes. it looks horrifying. You, If you had seven like surrounding your town, yeah. I can't even imagine. Because someone drew out a map and it does kind of look like they all at different points were at like different areas of the town too. Mm-hmm. They had the town surrounded pretty much seven different tornadoes. I would literally be like, what kind of fucking witchcraft is going on in yes. this town? Who's that- a witch? Yeah. And yeah. why didn't they call me? Why is there some wizarding <laughs> world of Harry Potter <laughs> bullshit happening in my town right now? Why are we surrounded by natural disasters? Yep. It's insane. I mean, it could have been a cover up. You know how those things go. Uh- uh- this could be. I love all the conspiracy you have. <laughs> Keep bringing it on. This is fun. So it started around 8.45 p.m., the first of the seven deadly tornadoes. It it went on for 11 miles, which is crazy because a lot of times tornadoes will just cover a few miles and then go back up into yeah. the sky. Yeah. And they can do a lot of damage, but 11 miles. Then another one came down and did three miles. Then a 700-yard-wide F3 tornado tracked for seven miles. It had very erratic movement and was kind of all over the place, which, again, it was moving in the opposite direction and also kind of jumped. It appeared Mm -hmm. to be, like, jumping around. So it was bizarre in several ways. And this is the one that injured the most people. The other tornadoes came down for very brief amounts of time. They were getting shorter and shorter. And then everything ended up lifting up. I'm trying to find when it finally ended around 1245 p.m. Yes. No, 1145 p.m. Excuse me. So everything ended around 1145 p.m. And finally the damage was done. And by that time, as I said, $300 million worth of damage had Mm -hmm. been done. By that time, Dumbledore had already skipped town (laughs) and erased the memories of those who saw him. Mm -hmm. He was out of there yeah took out bridges took out tornadoes first of all let's just clear the air (laughs) um she doesn't know harry potter (laughs) you meant to say voldemort it's okay yes who shall not be named thank you yes thank you there you you. go you know i watch the office i have a question what the fuck why did this happen I don't know. That's the weird thing. It started out as a severe thunderstorm and just turned into this. And they like, I'm sure meteorologists have some long winded, insane explanation that will have words I don't understand. But Mm -hmm. basically it was this happened in June, which like and beginning of June, which is still kind of in tornado season Mm -hmm. in the Midwest. I think the weather was just right for funnel clouds to come a twirling and usually only <laughs> one so funnel. Fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> usually, even if there's several funnel clouds, maybe one will touch down and this just happened to be fully formed funnel clouds that Jeez. came down and wreaked havoc. Hmm. So the winds, I mean, I'm sure it was like a combination of 
the air, like the amount of humidity in the air combined with the wind. It was just right Right. for this, which was so unfortunate. But yeah, seven. And for some of them to be so damaging and like strangely moving. That's the part that creeps me out. I don't like that they were going the wrong way. They went backwards? <laughs> yeah, they were going backwards. And I'm they say you, that never, some... at 99% of the time, that won't happen in the Northern Hemisphere. That's so some... why? Because it's some wizard shit. Yeah, it is wizards. some wizard shit. <laughs> and witches. Yep. But yeah, most of what I found says like it, it baffled a lot of meteorologists as far as why they were moving the wrong way. But mm-hmm. I mean, all you can say about the weather is that it was just the right conditions for this to happen, unfortunately. So that was the Grand Island, Nebraska tornadoes. And then that led me, I'm just taking you on my journey, to then see about more tornadoes. And are they only dust and wind? Like, what else is out there? Nope. There's a fire tornado. No, thank you. A fire tornado that can happen. And this is also timely because we just had these horrible wildfires in Northern California and Southern California. The footage of those fires is some of the scariest stuff I've seen. It's horrifying. And that's when these happen. And these probably were happening during the wildfires, these fire tornadoes, because it sounds like all, again, the conditions and the weather were just right. So basically a fire tornado or a fire whirl can happen wait there's other nicknames fire devils fire tornadoes fire nados and fire whirls can be found anytime there is a ton of wind and wild and wildfires happening and these immense spires of whirling flames resemble hell basically it's just this twisting tornado of fire that is going from the ground up so opposite of what an actual tornado would do starts at the ground starts whirling around and then goes up and looks as if it's touching the sky so a true tornado is formed when warm, moist air close to the ground, atmospheric instability, and vertical movement of air combine and move a tornado around. Fire tornadoes are created by hot, dry air rising rapidly from the ground and then picking up embers and ash and things from the ground and just whipping the whipping flames up into, into the sky. A funnel. Yeah, these vortexes are created by the angular movement of fluids, liquids, and gases, and they basically look like spinning figure skaters doing spins over and over up into the sky is how one man described them when he saw them happening in San Diego. So most fire tornadoes only last a few minutes. One reason they've been captured on video so rarely is because they only last a few minutes, but if you get caught near one, watch your back yeah i was gonna say and the, it seems like they happen like in the midst yeah. of a forest fire right and not so luckily people, people aren't are, near are them there, right but yeah like you can google these and there have been a couple caught on video but they are do they incredibly like a dangerous tornado? like do they because i know they come up from the ground yeah. so they do they stay on the ground they stay on the ground, but they just keep reaching higher and higher into keep, the sky, yeah. depending on how powerful the wind is and how much it's able to keep sweeping yeah. things up and going up into the and air. And are but. they dangerous in a sense that if a fire tornado happens, it will do more damage? Or is it just mm-hmm. kind of like, whoa? Yes, they are. Fire That's, dragon! That is actually a good question. <laughs> They're... <laughs> A, dangerous because their temperatures can reach 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And additionally, because they move extremely quickly and they can cut a path of destruction and knock over more trees, more buildings. They basically, it's a way to spread wildfires, Mm -hmm. which is why I think they happen 
so much more commonly than we see because like we said they're not caught on video but it's very likely that these are happening during every wildfire Mm -hmm. and they're carrying more flames around making it worse because i think when we are told about fire spreading in the news everyone just says oh the wind picked up and the fire spread we're not just imagining these fire devils hopping (laughs) from tree to tree which would be a horrifying sight to see they can also be caused by lightning i guess if lightning strikes a tree or a certain like if something that's heavy in gas then if flames erupt and Mm. there's storm conditions in the air you'll sweep up a fire tornado in that case too so watch out i know they're awful i don't want to see one (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to run into a fire tornado so that terrified me and that is what i have for crazy weather i have a, a rain story I like rain. Do you guys like rain? <laughs> hey, guys. Do hey, anybody How do you feel like about rain? Rain. So we've actually discussed this before on the show a little bit. I I titled this Raining Weird Shit. I believe <laughs> it was one of our This Week in Weird episodes, which is our new segment that we do on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And everyone should check that out if you yes. haven't already. It's on our YouTube channel. Little and we plug. have a new episode out now. So a little plug for that. So... It can rain things like fish or rocks or frogs, a la Magnolia. (laughs) What? Yes, and it's happened many times before. You can actually go to Wikipedia and type in, like, raining animals, and there's a list of the times that it has rained actual animals. (laughs) And it is a long list. What happened that you talked about on This Week in Weird was in China, Mm -hmm. and it rained, like... Seashells, squid, fish. Octopus were landing on people's cars. Yeah, like in a traffic jam, people were getting pelted with octopus. How is this happening? It was my true worst nightmare come to (laughs) life because I hate the sea. sea (laughs) I don't want to hate the sea, but I do. They're very scary. They all look scary. (laughs) In that case, what happened was there was a storm very close by and something some weather thing happened where it picked up all these animals from the actual ocean and like rained them down so it's like one gust of wind carrying things like up from the ocean it's almost like like pushing them across pretty much like rain Mm -hmm. like taking moisture up but strong enough that it took up live creatures too (laughs) which is just i can't but it turns out that that was actually one of the least common occurrences because that one in China. Yeah, because they don't actually know how this happens. Whoa. Yeah. They they have theories, but like they can't figure out how this happens. So the main explanation for raining weird stuff is tornadic water spouts, which I assume is like a water tornado. A water tornado. Yeah. It and needs it to get said, in a fight with a fire tornado. <laughs> that's, that's the only way you could defeat either one of them. That's right. And it's said that these natural tornado-like spouts sometimes pick up creatures like fish and frogs and carry them for up to several miles. However, this aspect of the phenomenon, the picking up of the animals, has never been witnessed by any scientists. So no one has ever actually witnessed the animals being picked up, only the animals being dropped. Mm. Doesn't mean that that isn't what happens. That doesn't mean that that's not exactly mm-hmm. what happens. It's just that no one's ever witnessed it, that part of it before. Okay. And it's happened 
often enough that you'd think that at least someone would be someone like, would I saw seen. frogs going up. Right. <laughs> you know they what were I mean? going into the but sky. No. But there are other things that actually make this even stranger, like how sometimes the animals survive the fall, including yeah. the fish, which suggests the animals are dropped very shortly after extraction. Right. Because right. how would the fish be able to be still alive? would have had to have just been in the water. Especially if they had been taken over several miles. Right. How would they still be alive and breathing mm -hmm. or gilling? <laughs> I don't know. What do you call it? I think it's called breathing. It's okay, breathing. it's called breathing. Okay, cool, they cool, Breathe cool. through their gills. Gilling. 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 The rain of animals is usually preceded by a storm. However, the theory of the tornadic water spouts does not explain how all the animals involved in each individual incident would be from only one species and not a group of similarly yeah. sized animals. Oh. Most cases are actually a single species. Mm. So it's only frogs raining. Where would Why, you get how? only frog? <laughs> like, in what area <laughs> of the world are you going to sweep up hundreds of animals and only drop frogs? Excuse me? So they really, they can't explain it. They yeah. have, like, they're like, it's a water tornado. But like, they actually <laughs> don't know. No oh, one knows. Man. So This is um, why weather is fucking crazy it's yeah. pardon my french but like <laughs> half of the time no one even knows what the literally hell almost is going all of on. my stories today are like we don't know i know I, we we don't know <laughs> we just don't know oh here's a fun thing brief pause from this story i also wanted to say that i found out that the phrase it's raining cats and dogs was actually it's raining polecats and dogs up until the late 18th or early 19th century before it became cats and dogs and polecats are weasels <laughs> <laughs> so it's really it's raining weasels and dogs. It's raining weasels and dogs. What? And it has nothing to do with actual animals raining from the sky. So anyways, <laughs> whether or not they can prove how it rains animals, they at least have theories. But in 1994, it rained something that scientists are completely clueless about to this day. In the town of Oakville, Washington, on August 7th, 1994, it began to rain sometime around 3 a.m., but it wasn't water. It was tiny, translucent, gelatinous globs about the size of a grain of rice. There was a testimony from a police officer who said he had been working that night and noticed that it absolutely was not rain when he turned on his windshield wipers and the substance immediately smeared across his windshield ah. and obscured his vision. So he pulled over to inspect it and found that the globs were small and mushy. And as he looked around, he saw that they had fallen everywhere. Yeah. By that afternoon, several residents of Oakville became violently ill. They reported having difficulty breathing, vertigo, blurred vision, and even nausea. A lot of the cats and dogs who became who came in direct contact with the substance became ill and some even died. Mm -hmm. This phenomenon occurred six more times over a period of three weeks when it was raining these blobs. In this same area? In the same area Whoa. in Oakville. One resident collected a sample of the strange gelatin-like substance and took it to a lab tech at the local hospital for examination. The lab tech couldn't identify what it was, but found that the substance contained human white blood cells. What? what? <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me? No. <laughs> this is a horror movie. Wait, I'm why sorry. isn't this a horror movie? Yeah. Right? 
He could not begin to theorize why something like that would fall from the sky. Duh. The Washington State Department of Health then collected a sample to see if they could find answers. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sure discovered. they were real oh, I'm helpful. Sure, yeah, I'm sure they, they discovered <laughs> something. They discovered that the material had two different types of bacteria inside of it. One of those bacteria were common to the human digestive system. Okay. What? <laughs> I, <laughs> it's just like raining body parts. Yeah, <laughs> in the form of liquefied humans. Body human jello. So then that, because of the digestive system bacteria thing, uh-huh. this led to the assumption that maybe it was uh, bodily fluids from a passing plane. But Ooh. anyone who's ever been on a plane knows that they dye it blue. <laughs> right. Like it's oh, yeah. FAA regulations, mm-hmm. it has to be blue. And, it and this wasn't. was clear. So Ugh. it couldn't have been dropped from a plane. What unless year was this? 1994. Oh my gosh. I this know. is some government fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> that is what it is. A hundred percent. I think so. Another test of the substance revealed a eukaryotic cell. What's that? Which I didn't remember this from science class, but um I had to look it up. But I was gonna pretend like I remembered it from science <laughs> class. But I, I couldn't pull it off. Have no idea. I, I couldn't pull it off. I got too nervous. It's a cell with a nucleus surrounded <gasps> by a membrane. Which okay. means it had been yeah. living at one point. Yeah. We talked about this in science. Yeah. <laughs> we totally. learned that once. <laughs> so it had, whatever it was, had been was alive living. at some point. This led to another theory which suggested that the Air Force weapons testing in the Pacific Ocean had destroyed a colony of jellyfish and sent them into the air where they landed on uh, in pieces over the town. But that wouldn't explain the whole human white blood cell thing because mm-hmm. jellyfish don't have human white blood cells or bacteria that it's found in humans' I digestive tract. I guess maybe tract. you could say it was like a Law by this hospital person. True. Maybe maybe oh, the true. maybe the sample wasn't like, you know, you know, you weren't like super scientific and maybe it was just like, ah, oh, this thing's in my hand and now it's on your tray and you know, maybe Very some true. of this. Yeah. But we still But still, excuse what? me. It's still <laughs> bonkers town. Well, the Air Force did admit that they had been conducting tests at the time, but they denied any involvement in the Glob rain incident. <laughs> However, they didn't drop though. any glob. six times. This actually had led to speculation that the citizens of Oakville may have been part of a government experiment, perhaps mm-hmm. testing some kind of biological weapon, yep. which we know the government has done before. Yes. We have documented proof of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> this mystery remains unsolved and probably will be forever because there are no more samples of the strange blob. Or at least for another couple decades until we find the files until, that talk yeah, about it. Until Those files it's will declassified. Surface. Until they want to like, make some Hollywood right. money off of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's the case files. I can't wait that, to hear about it. Because isn't it true, like, you can't, I don't know, I wish I knew more about this subject, but, like, you can only keep it under wraps for so long, and then you have to let it out into the public, or... I think yeah, we is. just Isn't talked it about years? it on our last conspiracy theories episode that eventually it has to declassify, right? Yeah, well, I guess it doesn't have I don't think to. It has to, or maybe it like goes up for like re-examination. Yeah, and right. They're like, it's no, we still don't want to admit. But yeah, there's something thirty or forty sealed. Thirty or forty. It's something like that. Yeah. It's not like absurd, but it's basically mm-hmm. basically so that like any acting like president at the time, by the time yeah. whatever is happening yep. while that person's yep. alive is declassified, they're dead. 
Yep. I don't know if that's like why it just oh, is no. It's kind of anybody convenient. who's culpable yeah. probably, mm-hmm. or if anybody who would sue in that town is still yeah. alive. Yeah, it's so right. Fucked up. <laughs> it's super fucked up. It's horrible. But I, it's get probably it, what's I happening. Guess. I mean, also while you were talking, I found one more fire tornado story that was interesting enough to bring up again. So I'm sorry we're coming back one more time. Yeah, I mean, let's bring it back. In 2000, a fire whirl under observation by a crew from the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection jumped a fire break, lifted an all-terrain vehicle off the ground, what? and smashed it into an SUV, crushing part of the SUV and injuring a crew member. Huh. So they can lift vehicles! <laughs> <sighs> thought that was crazy i wasn't sure how strong they were i knew they were pretty strong but that yeah sealed it sorry I had to it's not just twigs and embers they're moving it's around not just nope. the twigs and embers it's super super fire yeah. strength and also my last thing i had a friend submit a tornado story that i wanted to share please elsie elsie oh, i guess Laura- i should have asked before i re- <laughs> oh no that's fine. if she wanted to remain anonymous no she like, she said she didn't care so her name is lauren clark and we were roommates and since my name is also lauren she went by elsie also because we were huge fans of the hills and lauren conrad so elsie well i'll cut that out don't worry I'm talking about the Lauren Conrad Hill statement, not the rocket. <laughs> also edit out the rocket. No, you can you can leave Lauren Conrad in. I am who I am. <laughs> okay, so Elsie says, I was about 10 or 11 and it was storming outside, but not very intense because I am usually very cautious and terrified of storms and I would be in the basement immediately, but I was just sort of hanging out in my dining room. I look out of my window and I see a tree fall out of the corner of my eye and think, whoa, What's happening outside? Then I hear my brother yell from upstairs, Lauren, get to the basement now. Stefan, my brother, was in his room upstairs on the second story. His room faces the woods in our backyard, and he saw our swinging double chair in the backyard on the patio fly up to his eye level and then slam into our pool. He then sees a tornado actually coming from the left side of our yard. He yells for me to get downstairs. We run down, and we waited it out until... It was over. I was still unsure of what was happening this entire time. It happened very fast and with little warning. Thank goodness it missed our home, but it did go through our woods and our backyard, leaving a trail of fallen trees. We were home alone at the time, and then the influx of calls came in, making sure we were okay. Our neighbor, our parents, basically everyone we knew. So we had a landline that was connected to a cord that would still receive calls if the power went out. This is probably the worst story ever. <laughs> but I wanted to share because I remember it not storming very bad before the tornado came. And it might be true that there is calm before the storm. Hmm. Oh, yeah, so, yeah she had a tornado go through her backyard. Interesting that there was no tornado sirens. But maybe if right. they didn't think the storm was the storm Bad wasn't going to produce them. You That's know? the thing is she like, and I know this to be true about her. She went into more detail for our listeners sake, but like she hates all storms, hates rain, hates thunder, yeah. hates everything. She has a little red blankie that she always carries with her as her protection when a Bless storm her. happens. It's like her. Yeah, it's her thing. So the fact that she was just hanging out in her dining room shows like no sirens were going off. It probably just seemed like a little bit of rain to mm-hmm. her. And then to have a tornado plow through the woods in her backyard. And Ooh. I believe she had told me a separate time that it left like a little trail in her backyard like there was a trail of dead grass kind of going through her yard but her house was completely unscathed which is nuts 
That's lucky. It's, I just thought that was crazy that it missed them by a second. And to be home alone when you're a kid. Ooh. Yes. No, thank you. So that's terrifying. Thank you, Elsie. Thank you, Elsie. Yeah. I'm so glad that tornado didn't swallow you up. Because we love you lots. I have one more honorable mention. This phenomenon is called Parhelion. That's cool. Parhelion? Parhelion. Sounds like a Pokemon. Wait, it why does this be. sound familiar? I might know. It's this. also known as, as a sun dog. Yep. You know what a sun dog yes, is? But tell me more. Holy cannoli. So well, I just wanted to mention it because I didn't think it was real, but I was watching yeah. Weird Wonders of the World, which is my favorite show. The best. You're welcome for the ad Netflix. Uh, two seasons <laughs> are on Netflix right now. Weird Wonders of the World. And it starts, the um, the segment actually starts with a woman, a nine one, an actual 911 call. Mm-hmm. It's a viral video, which I couldn't find for the life of me, of course. But this woman... It calls the cops because she goes outside and there are two suns in the sky. Mm-hmm. And she's literally on the phone with the cops. She's like, there's two suns. Someone like, help me. There's two suns out right and now. And they're probably and like, like, you were drunk. Go back inside. Yeah. yeah. But it happens. There's actually kind of a interesting explanation for it. It consists of a very bright spot on one or both sides of the sun. So mm-hmm. sometimes there's even three suns in the sky. So is it like they're overlapping or are they no, just very like close? No, it's like the sun's in the middle and then there's like a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. Oh. And there's two more suns. Whoa. Sometimes it's just one. So it looks like two suns in the sky. Sometimes there's two and it looks like three suns in the sky. But Ugh. if it's a really bright one, it literally looks like there are multiple suns in the sky. That's but what it crazy. is, is it, it's kind of crazy. It's caused by the refraction and scattering of light from plate shaped hexagonal ice crystals either suspended in high and cold cirrus clouds Uh. or drifting in freezing moist air at low levels as dust. The crystals act as prisms bending the light rays passing through them. So like, what? What? Like, how is that possible? (laughs) But I actually read something really interesting. One, sun dogs have been written about, like even in ancient Greece and Roman texts, they wrote about sun dogs. Oh, wow. These Parhelion, which is probably where Parhelion, the name came from. But also, if sun dogs happened on another planet, like on Mars or something, uh-huh. it would look completely different. Oh. Because of the particles that would be in the air, it might look like there were seven suns in the sky or the yeah. suns would be a different shape. They would it'd be like triangle-shaped suns. Oh, wow. Why are they called sun dogs? And it's not in dots, right? It's sun well, dogs. dogs. Yeah. Like, Barking dogs. I think it's because, like I said, if it's bright enough, it just looks like there's multiple suns in Mm. the sky. But if it's not as bright, you can see the sun. And then there's sort of like almost like a line around the sun, like Mm. a halo. And then these other suns, the reflections are on the other side. And it's almost like it has two on a leash. And it's almost like they're like dogs, like it's walking in smaller dogs. I wondered that too. too. I could be wrong. That's no, what I, I assumed when I saw sun dogs because I was like, "Did you see a picture name, of right? it? Are yeah. there, oh, it's not another not. added to Katoomba Lightning. I'm gonna go look. <laughs> I know you have so many videos to watch. Fire tornadoes. My husband doesn't even Katoomba. know. We're gonna review some videos later. <laughs> like, honey, you have yeah, to see this does. weather phenomenons. <laughs> There's one. Cool. 
It wow. does look so it, cool. It reminds me of like double rainbow thing, but like way cooler, obviously. But yeah, yeah. but just when you can't see the the halo, yes. it really looks yep. like yep. oh my god, there's multiple there suns in the sky. What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> yeah. I love the woman that called nine one one. Like yeah, help she was me. Like, there's three Because like, who is, do you call? It is funny situation. that like why do we think that the world's always ending <laughs> when <Yeah>. nature <laughs> is happening? Right. I mean, like happening. who do I call? Like, I guess I get it something something out of the ordinary is happening but then why do we automatically go to extinction because right. we're scared like is that just like a i think human it's just the fear reaction we're not like Ooh, look at that look at this cool thing you know or just like, no, i think right. we're a fearful country naturally yeah. like no one is ever just species. like let's marvel at the sky yeah. it's like oh we maybe those are people are dead, dead and we're yeah. the survivors yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people who were marveling at the sky got hit with a fire tornado <laughs> and they're dead well i no, also think that like we <laughs> it's probably gonna happen you know what i mean like we're no, like we're expecting true. the worst yeah, yeah. we're just kind of like well probably just it's fine it's, yeah. yeah this was a good take run. me now <laughs> it's like you said we had a good ride we had a good <laughs> ride i had a good life 30 years old 30 yep. years of fun yep <laughs> for 30 years of fun. 30 years of fun, fun and in the sun. Yeah. I do have a quick weather question for Ooh. you guys. I was just curious. Would you rather live in a place like California that has the threat of earthquakes or a place like the Midwest that has a threat of tornadoes, which is worse <sighs> Or a place like where my sister lives on the East Coast that has hurricanes every year. True. Oh. Yeah, I guess there's three. Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. Where do you want to be? Depends. Is it a bad earthquake? I know, <laughs> but that's just it. That's know? the thing is like we we're haven't due. had the big one in the we time that due. we've lived here, but I am so scared of it. Like Northridge that's, was ripped to shreds when that happened in the 90s. I feel like that's kind of the toss up. Like with tornadoes and storms, like it happens a lot and it's inconvenient, but most of the time tornadoes don't directly affect you. Right. So it happens a lot and you got to be wary of it. And earthquakes, you can you shouldn't be blissful. I hope you both have your earthquake water. I don't. Um, I keep meaning PSA to. I keep meaning. Water. My husband are those people water. that are always like, you should, we need to make an earthquake kit, and then you, we don't. You yeah. should at least have enough water to sustain yourself for three days in case right. something happens. To for people I have a child to now. To I have to be yes. responsible. Yeah. I will have a child. Anyway, so I don't know. It's it's because an earthquake is like, yeah, you can kind of live in bliss, but it's gonna but happen it's and it's gonna bad, be it's gonna be bad. Right. Like when the big one yeah. comes, it's going yeah. to be so bad. Which is kind of also like the fire thing. Like I, I think you have to take in, you know, it's earthquakes and fires like oh, out that's here. True. And when both. it happens, it's bad. But it doesn't always happen. And especially right. in these populated cities we live in, they well, it's easier to get to the fires because the terrain isn't so crazy. Right. And they, you know, I'm sure they fight maybe a bit harder to keep the populated area safe. Sure. It is true. I feel like the tornado warnings are so much more frequent than yeah, you're just like, eh. earthquakes and fires. But it's also true that they rarely touch down right. and do a lot of damage. Or when they do touch down, it always seems like they're out in a cornfield mm. and hanging out. Yeah. But yeah, so you didn't get to answer. What's your answer? Is there a place in the world where it's always fall and there's no natural disasters? Because I want to move there. Good question. Well, England's wait, what happens up in like Seattle? They don't no, seem to get much. Rain, like it's rain. A lot of rain. Yeah, rain. rain, but I could deal with that. I could deal with that too. I'm going to go there. A maritime climate, I believe, where it's just like kind of meh all year round. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's like really cold, but most of the time it's just like rainy and foggy. Yeah. 
Portland. I'll go to Portland. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think Pacific Northwest is where yeah. we Pacific belong. Northwest is great because you're within beach distance. Uh-huh. You're within hiking mountainous distance, like areas, mm-hmm. and yeah. and you're also close to like a, a city, right? Like, yep. Situation. Yep. And an even bigger city if you want to go all the way to Seattle. So I feel like that's where I should. Pacific Northwest. Um, the answer is I would like to move to Portland, please. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what None was your above. answer, Madeline? Did I you kind of didn't have one because I'm kind of torn. I have thought about hard. that for sure. Because, yeah. I mean, we talk about it with the family and they're like, oh, well, don't you feel? I was like, I don't know. I don't feel that way because, like, it's sure it's going to happen. could happen, but it's not now. So I, I don't have to deal with it, you know? <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, just I like, do hey, miss. Fine. I mean, like, I... I miss rain that's actually like cleansing and doesn't make the ground smell acrid. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. I definitely uh, miss a nice, good smelling rain. Yes. And sure. I miss thunderstorms. Like uh, there have been thunder. rare occasions where it thunders out here mm-hmm. and I tears spring to my eyes because I feel so much joy. I think, I mean, so. I could just live either place. We're adaptable people. You're right. Yeah. That's a good answer. <laughs> Me and Ashley are fleeing the state immediately. Yeah, I'm not moving to North Carolina. I'll tell you that fucking much. Every no, single I think summer, hurricanes lose. Every single summer, my sister's hurricanes. like, we might lose our house. It's like, then don't live there. I think right. that's don't the thing there. about hurricanes that I, that's definitely the bottom of my list I would not want because that's like, you got to go. And yeah. you got you have to like evacuate multiple times a year, right? Because yep. it's, and it's, they're also very unpredictable, but it's definitely happening yeah, somewhere. it's definitely happening. Mm. It's just unpredictable as to how bad it actually is going to be. Yes, like, my exactly. sister and her husband had to go down to Florida. And, like, ugh, you have to escape to Florida, I of know. all places. They had to go down to Florida and just hope that their house was there when they got back. Yeah. Right. And they had to take everything expensive out. They had to board up their windows yeah. and, like, put bags over their windows. They had to take everything out of their garage. It was a whole thing. I also think like, about, like, but people that can't evacuate. Like, that's the part mm-hmm. that, like, really terrifies me and makes me sad. It's like, there are people that are without means that cannot evacuate. Oh, yeah. Or, true. like, you know, like, luckily, front the money had, to live in a hotel yeah. or have family. Or They had a, a trip planned already. So, luckily, they could just, like, go. But yeah, that was good. There are a lot of people who are like, I just have to kind of ride it stay out. and hope yep. for the best. Yep. But, you know, what yeah, I say to hurricanes. them? Get a job. Okay. Ooh, Ashley. Hot, hot take over there. <laughs> yeah, hurricane. Call me I think Republican we can Cassidy. All, <laughs> that was a Republican answer over there. I think we can all agree hurricanes are probably bottom yep. of the list. Let's, yeah, bottom of the barrel. Let's steer clear of those areas. Bottom which Florida is one of the main areas, and I will steer clear anyway. Yeah. So there we go. Sorry, Florida. Florida I love you. Sorry, Florida. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to plants. Do you want to start us off? I want to know about the corpse flower. Yeah, oh, man. Have you guys ever seen a corpse flower? Um, there? Yes. Well, because there's two different kinds, right? Oh, I only knew about what? one oh, kind. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I could be wrong. <laughs> I probably am <laughs> the more wrong person. So, well, so you've seen one? I've seen a photo before and they're very bizarre. Yes. They're very cool. Though. Are they like a deep purple? Part of it is okay. a deep burgundy purple, depending on... I thought it was just burgundy, but then in my research, I found one that was very purpley and beautiful. So I think it's Ooh. kind of like maybe the spectrum is a little bit in between. But we recently actually just had one at the Huntington... We actually had four at the Huntington Gardens. Yeah. Oh, fun. It was very fun because my mom was in town and I was like, we got to go. And then Corpse Bloom Watch started because that's the crazy thing about them is that 
They're one of the world's largest and rarest flowering structures. The corpse flower is a pungent plant that blooms rarely and only for a short time. So we're talking like 24 to 36 hours, maybe. No way. And this is like once every seven years. Like I didn't know like, it was that rare. Yeah. So it's super rare. So when it happens, everyone's like, it's going to happen. And it's on like Bloom Watch. The one that happened in Chicago, I think they had a live feed of. But the one in Huntington, they did not. And it was interesting that we went and the one in Huntington did not bloom. And they actually mm-hmm. ended up doing a little um what is that when you cut open a corpse oh autopsy, autopsy. yes of the flower <laughs> autopsy, autopsy of the flower. flower i know and i was like whoa honey that's crazy then i come to find out they wheel out three more corpse flowers and i was like oh well you just got a ton of them so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have all these you're fine i was like just because he didn't do it once doesn't mean it's not gonna happen again because the crazy thing just and they, because he didn't bloom doesn't mean you're not you <laughs> cut him open and kill him and take his guts out i know but i guess it makes sense they had others because i'll have to look, research the. i'll have to look up my dates but um the huntington library was actually the garden was actually one of the first successful places to actually have humans pollinate the flowers because they thought it wasn't possible to do it outside of nature and then huntington gardens tried it and they could do it and so oh, wow. they're just really? making corpse flowers all over the place yeah that's wild so one of the crazy things too is it's kind of hard to describe but there's something called the spathe which is kind of this like a phallic looking object coming up the top and then there's this like winded bit that is the what you would think of naturally as a petal but it's like one giant petal that's just kind of wrapped around the spathe mm. and then the bottom the the seed or the bottom is kind of the base is almost like a coconut shell and when it is time for it to bloom it will grow through a growth spurt and these things are already naturally can get up to 10 feet 8 to 10 feet 10 yes That's 10 feet i think is so the t- is the tallest recorded one but like naturally they're just hanging out at 7 to 8 feet oh my god so but you know it's going to bloom because they start to have a growth spurt and this is like an inch or 2 inches up to I think four inches in a day in a day Mm -hmm. and so they start to measure their growth so it'll be like oh this guy is like half an inch taller oh wait he's an inch taller and it's like oh he's about to he's in his like yep and so usually when it gets to like the apex of that that little petal will unwrap and it will smell awful oh (laughs) Oh, so it's bad so what does it smell like? Dead bodies. About the, yes, exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> oh corpse. I get it. I get it. Now. So it actually gave me a little breakdown. Pollock wrote on the Chicago Botanic Gardens blog that analysis show that chemically the stench consists of, and there are a bunch of chemical names, but they also omitted, uh, it sounds, the diet, oh man, we're not going to read these. That's okay. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read what they smell like or what they are also emitted by. Great. Uh, cooked onions, Limburger oh. cheese, oh. an odor like garlic, found in rotting, a chemical found in rotting fish or ammonia, God. an acid which also causes sweaty sh- socks to stink, uh, a benzyl alcohol, a sweet floral scent found. Oh, that one's not so bad. Found in jazz. <laughs> one nice sweet floral scent just to round it out. Phenol, sweet and medicinal, as in chloroseptic throat spray. Yeah. So, and another, this this fact I didn't know, and this one is really fun. Corpse flowers are also able to warm up to 98 degrees Fahrenheit to further fool insects. So they're trying to lure insects in because when things die, insects are like, oh, hey, food, yeah, come, we'll come hang out. And so corpse flowers are like... I'm dead. <laughs> get it? I'm dead. Get in my belly. <laughs> It'll open its petal and they'll come inside and get the pollen and then they'll go hang out with other corpse flowers. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, so an- another way it further tricks insects is that it can heat up to 98 degrees, which is 
what we're all running Our at. Which is, yeah, it's crazy. Oh. Uh, the insect thinks the flower may be food, fly inside, realize there is nothing to eat, and fly off with pollen on their legs. This process ensures the ongoing pollination of the species. Once the flower has bloomed and the pollination is complete, the flower collapses. This part was a little confusing to me. I, I think this just means the petal is like wilting, basically, because right. they will flower again. So... Okay. Yeah. I so that's interesting because when when you said corpse flower and I kind of I knew a little bit about it like I knew that it smelled. Mm-hmm. And in my head that was a deterrent for bugs. For bugs it or was like for their defense. Yeah, it was like a part of their defensive system mm-hmm. was to smell so bad oh. that they wouldn't get messed with, but actually They're it's attractive. a lure. And that's fascinating because I... I guess it's just a certain type of insect. Um, Explained that dung beetles, flesh flies, and other carnivorous insects are the primary pollinators of this type of flower. Which that makes sense. These insects typically eat dead flesh. The smell and the dark burgundy color of the corpse flower are meant to imitate a dead animal to attract these insects. Boy, oh boy. I think the only corpse flower I saw in the picture that I've seen, it must have been a wilting one because all I saw was a big maroon, like collapsed, huge yep. thing. It almost yep. looked like huge exactly. lips. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so I think I haven't seen one when it blooms. Is it pretty? I it think blooms? so. It's okay. cool. It's because it just looks weird. Yeah, because it's just it looks like it's from like a plant from space. Exactly. Yeah. And slight correction on my sizing. So um, it actually gets bigger than I said. The plant itself grows to around 10 to 15 feet. The plants typically can grow to a massive eight feet tall and the leaves can be as big as 13 feet wide. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the tallest bloom was a court flower that measured 10 feet tall. It bloomed on June 8th, 2010 at the Winnipesaka Orchards in Guilford, New Hampshire. I definitely butchered that. That's okay. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's a little bit about corpse flowers. They're that's nutty. Nuts. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know that what about was... the, the luring of the stench. Because mm-hmm. there's another kind of corpse flower that looks a little bit like... A mushroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is not nearly as pretty and it doesn't do all the cool things like bloom once every seven years or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it smells like poop. It smells like feces. Oh, Interesting. It's not called a corpse flower, but it's the it's like the sister yeah, to the corpse flower. Similar. I have a little bit more for you. Yes. Uh, according to the Eden, Eden Project, corpse flowers can take up to seven years to bloom. Some corpse flowers only bloom once every few decades. The plant's energy is stored in the corm, which is the base, a swollen stem base typically weighing around 100 pounds. The corpse plant has the world's largest known corm, sometimes weighing up to 220 pounds. During the non-flowering years, a single leaf the size of a small tree shoots up from the corm. This leaf branches out into three sections with each of these sprouting more leaflets. Um, each year, this shooting leaf dies and a new one grows in its place. After many years, the plant finally gathers enough energy to bloom, and once it does, it can only hold the bloom for 24 to 36 hours before it collapses. Wow. Where um, do they grow naturally? I believe in very uh, hot, humid climates because they're always in the hot houses when I've gone to yeah. visit them. They don't bloom anywhere in the United States naturally. It's probably so. like the rainforest exactly. or something. Yeah. Sounds about right. Or Mars. What was the flower that was in Dennis the Menace? Remember that flower only bloomed once every few years and his neighbor missed it because of Dennis? There was one recently (laughs) in Crazy Rich Asians that was a flower that bloomed like during the moonlight, right? Was that it? That could have been a corpse flower. Maybe it was just like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a corpse flower. 
know. Um, I don't think the one Dennis the Menace was either. I just yeah. remember the neighbor. Like, the reason Dennis ran away and, mm-hmm. like, the whole plot of the movie was because the neighbor screamed at him and was like, I missed the blooming of my flower. Okay. I don't know what it was. You want to know where they're from? Yes. I'm going to tell you where they're from. Brazil. The corpse flower was first discovered in Sumatra in 1878 by Italian botanist According to the UC Botanical Garden, the plant grows in the wild only in tropical regions of Asia. The corpse flower is classified as vulnerable on the International Union for Conservation of Nature's red list of threatened plants. So it's a little bit of trouble. The flower could become endangered. However, if the factors threatening its survival and reproduction do not improve, its main threat is habitat loss and destruction. As of now, the Sumatran rainforests are under a major threat of deforestation as huge areas are logged for timber to clear space for palm plantations. In fact, it is estimated that around 72% of the original rainforests in Indonesia have been cleared out and the scale of deforestation continues at an alarming rate. Mm. Cool. This is a really uh, fun episode, you guys. (laughs) Everything's endangered. (laughs) I actually read something recently about how scientists are pretty baffled and worried and scared because of the crazy rate that insects are disappearing. Yeah. Like to the point where I know where you can't like hear bugs outside anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. In what places where you should have. Planet? So I have a, another plant that is also listed as vulnerable. My favorite plant. Oh. In the whole wide world. <laughs> and I am so pumped to talk about it. The Venus flytrap. Cool. So the Venus flytrap is a carnivorous plant, but it actually differs from all other carnivorous plants in several ways. The Venus flytrap and the water wheel plant are the on- only carnivorous plants that use the snap trap mm-hmm. method for trapping prey. Mm. And I'll get to how that works with the Venus flytrap, but every other carnivorous plant uses pitfall traps, which are basically when it's like a bell shape right. and the bug falls in and then can't get back out. It's like mm-hmm. slippery and they can't get back out. Right. And then the plant just absorbs them. Or there's flypaper traps, which are basically like when their dew is very sticky sticky. and they can't get off. And again, they just absorb it. And then there's suction traps and lobster pot traps, which are basically just a variation of the other two that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So Venus flytraps are fascinating. Mm -hmm. Everyone's seen one. They look like little monsters. They sell them out here at Home Depot. At Home Depot, girl, no, I'm gonna get you a Venus flytrap. A friend of mine had a friend of mine had one, and it was so cool. They had little dead flies that her and her husband. They were showing me they'd put it like on tweezers or a yep. toothpick, set the fly in its mouth, and we watched it snap shut on top of the fly. And I oh, screamed, wow. "Bloody murder!" in glee because it was so cool <laughs> well you actually have to be careful feeding them dead animals and i'll tell why you do why. they not oh yeah i was like are they mad they get lazy they get lazy yeah <laughs> no it's well i'll get to it because i it's coming up very closely so they look like monsters the leaves of the flytrap open wide and on them are short stiff hairs called trigger hairs and that's what's um not the locking mechanism yes. not mm-hmm. like the teeth mm-hmm. But they're like hairs on where my palm mm-hmm. would be. Okay. It was. So they're called trigger hairs. And basically when anything lands on it that's strong enough to move one of those hairs, that's when it snaps mm-hmm. shut. Okay. 
And the trap shuts in less than a second. It's like 0.3 seconds it yeah. shuts. The trap doesn't close all the way at first. And we don't really know why, but experts theorize that it stays open for a few seconds in order to allow very small insects to escape because they wouldn't provide enough food. Right. And they're not real monsters. <laughs> if the object is not food, a rock or an acorn or a Lego or like whatever, the trap will reopen in about 12 hours and will actually spit it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when the trap does close over food, the finger-like projections on the tips of the leaves keep the insect inside and it forms an airtight seal in order to keep the digestive fluids inside and the bacteria out. So if an insect or a frog or slug is too large and sticks out of the trap, it allows the bacteria and the molds on the insect to thrive and eventually will rot the fly trap and it will die. And sometimes the digestive juices do not flow if the animal is dead when mm. it gets put inside the trap. So that's why it can be bad. So sometimes it can be bad. The The fly or whatever will actually rot in there and it will kill the fly trap. Oh. And also, sometimes you have to actually massage the fly oh. trap, its mouth, like as if it was chewing. It. <laughs> like you can actually get the ju- the mm. juices flowing oh, so that it come on, digests the fly trap. <laughs> Anyways. Wait, their flytrap did die. I wonder if it's because of the dead, dead flies. flies they seemed so set on doing it, though, as if the person who sold them the flytrap had told them to do that, though. So Probably, I think they were just misinformed. Maybe. Anyway, um, that's sad. Or maybe they didn't help him chew. <laughs> they didn't massage. <laughs> they didn't massage his mouth. Poor guy. So if it successfully traps a bug... It constricts tightly around the insect and it secretes digestive juices a lot like the ones in human beings' stomachs. Mm. It's the same idea. And actually, it's kind of crazy. It dissolves the soft insides of the bug, but not the exoskeleton. Mm. Too much. So afterwards, when it opens back up, when Mm -hmm. it's done feeding, Mm -hmm. the exoskeleton's left. And it gets like washed away by rain or wind. Yeah. Yeah. And it just eats the insides. So that's kind of gross. The digestive process takes five to 12 days. Okay. And like I said, when it reopens, the exoskeleton is like this dried up, dusty little thing. People still do not understand fully how the trap closes. So the Venus flytrap doesn't have a nervous system, it doesn't have muscles or tendons or anything. Mm -hmm. So they don't know exactly how it gets itself to close but scientists theorize that it moves from some sort of fluid pressure that's activated by an actual electrical current that runs through each lobe that's oh my goodness what just like people like our cells have an electrical Mm -hmm. current interesting so that's kind of crazy so if this wasn't already interesting (laughs) this is where it gets bananas like i said they possibly have electrical currents much like the cells in our bodies they also tolerate fire really well they tolerate mild winters they're found in nitrogen and phosphorus poor environments like bogs and wet savannas and venus fly traps are native only to the coastal bogs of north and south carolina in the united states Specifically when a, within a 60-mile radius of Wilmington, North Carolina. Really? They have been transplanted and grown in different places in the world. Yeah. But it is only native to a, like, 100-mile radius in North and South You're Carolina. you kidding. I thought they were for sure, like, in the heart of the jungle. Nope. 
You wow. went to Carolina. That's I had insane. No idea. Who would have thunk it? Well, have you ever heard of the Carolina Bays? Sure. Nope. So this is really interesting too. All around the area where these Venus flytraps are <laughs> naturally grown are the Carolina Bays. And the Carolina Bays are these large, shallow, elliptical depressions and wetlands with raised rims that are concentrated on the Atlantic seaboard, specifically the Carolinas. And the bays were discovered in the 1930s when we finally got an aerial view of the coast. And uh, with the invention of LIDAR, which is basically radar, but with lasers. Cool. And <laughs> I know, it just sounds badass. <laughs> when they invented that in the 60s, they were able to find 500,000 of these, what they know as Carolina bays. These little, mm-hmm. basically they look like craters. Yeah. Wow. Which... So aliens. <laughs> aliens came down to the Carolinas. Well, I tests on the terrain of the bays have been reported. Apparently, like, they don't know how old they are. They don't know anything about the bays. They can't figure out what caused them at all. And they have a ton of theories. They know they're at least 140,000 years old because the wind dating, you know how you can, like, test how much erosion has happened over time? Mm-hmm. The wind dating has occurred from 12,000 to 140,000 years ago. So we know the bays are at least 140,000 years old. No bay. Okay. And no one knows where they came from. There have been hypotheses and suggestions, but no one's figured it out yet. Like, for example, it was suggested that the bays could have formed when marshy ground dried up like um, the Australian salt lakes did. Mm-hmm. But... That's not it. It's not the same composition. Also, the Car- some of the Carolina bays like overlap with each other, which doesn't happen with the Salt Lakes. Okay. And the Salt Lakes don't have the raised rims as if something was pushed down into the ground. It's been suggested that it's the impact area for an asteroid or comet that broke up in the atmosphere, but there's no evidence of like a hyperspeed hit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because that would be like embedded in the bedrock. Mm-hmm. You'd be able to investigate them and find out that there was some damage done. Yeah. yeah. So like the leading theory right now is that basically there was impacts of ice ejected from a glacier by an extraterrestrial impact. So somewhere else in the United States mm-hmm. got hit with a huge comet or an asteroid. Oh. Possibly the one in Arizona. Uh Flagstaff, Arizona has a big, big, big comet hit Mm -hmm. that's millions of years old. And then the ice that broke off of the comet as it entered our atmosphere scattered across the Carolinas and caused these indentions and caused these bays. What a crazy (laughs) event that would have been to witness. Right? Makes fire tornadoes look a little more tame. Right? No, those are nuts. nuts. (laughs) And then not only that, now we have this crazy plant that exists literally nowhere else in the world that That's eats why flies it, and no one Venus can fly out. traps are it's aliens. An alien. It's yeah, an it's alien. It's a little it's alien that landed on planet Earth mm-hmm. and in these little bays. Yeah, and they I mean, like, if you think I'm about crawling it, out of the hole. Yeah, if you think are. about it, if it was ice from extraterrestrial ice, we know it. We have ice on this planet that are full of like microorganisms yeah. that are single-celled organisms that will eventually evolve. Um, did you know about the uh, natural predator of the Venus flytrap? 
is which it? is my house cat Pudge. Oh, <laughs> Pudge. so we we brought a Venus flytrap home from Home Depot, and I very foolishly thought like, no, he won't go for it. So naive, um, he goes for anything <laughs> so in the apartment that's naive. green. And I <laughs> named her Lola, and I put her out on my Aww. kitchen windowsill where I thought she would have some shelter from this beast. And <laughs> I watered her overnight, and then I came back in the morning, and I was like, I think. I think Lola looks different, but I'm like kind of looking at her as I'm going back and forth. And then I finally walk up to her and I'm like, oh, she's missing a few traps. And there's like this white little hair bit. Pudge. Pudge, why? Don't kill the alien. So I also learned that Venus flytraps are not toxic to cats, but I can't imagine they're good for us. That is good news, but oh man, that's so sad. What a jerk. And (laughs) Venus flytraps do have... It's interesting because uh, th- that argument has come up that Venus flytraps are actually extraterrestrials. And people say, like, no, because they they are related to the another carnivorous mm-hmm. plant, which is in the same genus Petra as blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, Venus flytraps could be, like, millions of years old. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying it landed in the 30s. Yeah. Like, they could old be school. very old. That doesn't mean they weren't extraterrestrial at one point. Right. And that they I evolved from aliens. bacteria or something. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so, so much for listening and supporting our show. Big thanks to Madeline Wilkheim for coming on. You'll hear from her again next week for part two of Weird Nature, where we shift our focus onto the animal kingdom. Some real strange animal behavior, mass animal deaths, and even the world's most white trash president. Yeah, tune in for that. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weird Cast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to find ways that you can donate to the show and get bonus goodies like minisodes, newsletters, and more. Check out our Etsy page at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast if you want to purchase some sweet Keep It Weird merch. Christmas is coming up. So if you want to nudge your family members or your loved ones in the right direction to get you a good Christmas present, look no further. We've got you covered. I will close today's episode with some words of wisdom as usual. Always bring an umbrella in case of frog rain. North Carolina always loses in the weather game. Please, for the love of God, trust scientists. And as always, keep it weird. Samara's <laughs> gonna come crawling out. Yeah, she thinks it sounds like the it sound sounds from like the ring when the video's playing. They're like, I haven't watched a lot of horror movies. Oh. Oh, okay, sorry. Not no a horror idea. movie girl. Even if you had seen the ring, you would not think that it sounds like. It, like okay. I'm the only. <laughs> She's the one. only person. You heard it one night. <laughs> one you were night, like, I, I kind of. Like, okay, I get it, but like. <laughs>